Again, free thinkers, and welcome to another episode of the Free Thought Project podcast. My name is Jason Bassler, and joining me today is the Free Thought Project editor in chief, Matt Agarist. And we also have a new contributor to the Free Thought Project today, Don Via Jr. Today is a special show for a couple reasons. Uh, one being it's Matt's birthday. Happy birthday, Matt. We also wanted to take some time today to introduce a new contributor to the Free Thought Project. Don is a total blessing for us. He's been helping on a number of levels with the Free Thought Project. We also wanted to talk about the struggle to preserve the liberty movement amidst new waves of authoritarianism and some practical solutions that people could use to continue to support voluntarism. And that's actually a topic that Don came up with on his own. So we'd love to explore that a little bit. But uh, before we get into that, Uh, Don, why don't you go ahead and give our audience a brief description about who you are, where you're from, how you got started in the freedom truth movement, and how you've been contributing to the Free Thought Project. Sure thing, man. Uh, Yeah, so uh, first, uh, my last name is Vi. It's okay, because a lot of people get it wrong. It's fine. (laughs) But uh, yeah, a lot of people don't realize that the A is silent, so I get hit with that most of my life. You you uh, see how new he is, guys? He's so new that we don't even know how to say his last name. So (laughs) bear with us. I've been saying Via in my head this whole time. And Don's been with us for uh, several months now, but we never, this is the first time we've had a an IRL conversation. So uh, you you can't, it, it reads just like Via. You know, when it's on the website, I'm I'm sure people who've read his articles have said the same thing. My apologies, Don. Oh, you're good, man. You're good. Yeah, like I said, um, you know, that's been my whole life. I mean, hell, uh, one of my best friends just a few months ago, he just learned how to pronounce it because, I I don't know, I guess it never came up in conversation. He's like, I thought it was Valia. And I was like, no, the A is silent. He's like, I've known you for six years. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't feel as bad then. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, kind of got started in the truth movement. I, I'd say around 2012, but before that, I was—I've always been a really inquisitive person. You know, even when I was in like elementary school, I was reading books about ancient history and stuff like that. So I've always just been curious about stuff. But it was around 2012 um, when Ron Paul was running for president when I started to get interested in politics, and I really just couldn't stand either obama or i think it was romney he was running against then mm-hmm. but uh and uh so i got turned on to the ron paul movement i was like wow you know this guy's got a lot of good ideas and so you know i started listening to what he was saying and reading some of his stuff and i was like yeah this 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 you know makes a lot of sense and so that kind of started my move towards the a libertarian sort of mindset once i started breaking out of that two-party paradigm and uh from that point forward it was just a constant progression of learning about things because, like I said, I've always been inquisitive. So even 
you know, in middle school and early high school, I was curious about, you know, what the government's doing behind our back. So I started learning about stuff like 9-11, for example. That was a big uh, wake-up call for me. Even before I got into the Ron Paul thing and preserving liberty, it was, you know, learning about – I think this is a uh, a big moment for a lot of people. I guess you could say a red pill moment. When you start looking into 9-11 and realizing, holy crap, there are so many holes in this story we have been lied to, it kind of opens the floodgates for what else have they lied to us about and and me being the person I am. I just kind of went down the rabbit hole, and I never really went into it thinking, oh, my God, there's this crazy, you know, a bunch of crazy conspiracies going on. I actually started, uh, as far as... Being in the truth movement is concerned, I started when researching things to debunk them because I was like, there's no way that, you know, most of this stuff is true. So I'm going to hunt for the evidence to debunk it because there's no way. And so, you know, I want to help people understand that this, there's no way. But I, I remained objective. And after thoroughly researching and looking at all the evidence and hearing all the points from all the sides, I was like, I was wrong. There's there's a lot of crap that they've lied to us about. And then me being a student of history and going back through it and putting things in that context, I, it, a lot of other things started to make sense. So that was around the point where I started to wake up to a lot of stuff and research a lot of stuff. And so around 2015, 2014-ish, I guess, is when I really got into the, the point where I was like, I need to talk about this stuff. I need to tell people about these things. And so I just kind of got into this mindset of wanting to inform people because I've always wanted to help people. That's always, I've always felt like that was a calling of mine. I used to want to join the military. That didn't pan out, thankfully. Um, I wanted to be an EMT. That just wasn't my style. And then I realized with my passion for researching and writing that I can help people by informing them. Because at one point I wanted to be a teacher, but I was like, I hated school. Why would I do that? (laughs) Um, uh, So it was around 2015 that I started this group called Reality Check, and it was kind of directionless. I didn't know what I wanted to do with it. It was just kind of me and my friends in there talking about a number of these topics and going over research points. And Eventually, that that group, after a couple years, it kind of died out, but I'd say that that was the predecessor, really, to Break the Matrix, which, for the listeners that don't know, Break the Matrix is my page that I run. I only have a little over 1,000 followers currently, but I've been running it since uh, uh, 2018, September of 2018. No relation to the website Break the Matrix. That was not a thing when I first, I, I looked for domains and whatnot that, from what I could find, did not exist exist at the time but maybe i was wrong and i just didn't find it but no relation to the website i plan on starting my own website myself right now i have a facebook page i'm on MeWe, minds instagram and twitter although i don't use twitter much because i would get banned but (laughs) but um but yeah so uh break the matrix is my thing that i started in 2018 around september and i've been doing that since then and so it's it's kind of been a five-year journey, five or six years from 2015 up till now of just getting deeper into researching things and writing about things and wanting to get more active and talking to people and, and, and really getting these ideas out there, helping wake people up from the false dichotomy that's been created with this two-party paradigm and 
all the d- divide and conquer tactics that the ruling class, the predator class, uh, uses to keep people against themselves as opposed to actually realizing the real enemies of humanity are the dudes in suits and ties that send kids to kill each other in wars and steal all of our money and destroy the environment. So, yeah, that's kind of who I am. It's what I've been doing for five years, what I've been passionate about for most of my life, and it's what I want to do the rest of my life. Yeah, couldn't agree more, man. We've uh, we've often said that, you know, the Free Thought Project is definitely our life's work as well. And uh, I think when you have a passion about these topics and knowing that you can present some information that could possibly change people's lives, you know, it's kind of a power, powerful position to be in. And uh, not necessarily in the in the traditional terms of how we think of, of power, but in the sense that we could actually make some change just by sharing information. So, um, yeah, definitely uh, go follow Break the Matrix right now. As Don mentioned, he's on all those various social media platforms and definitely a smart man to diversify. You know, um, longtime listeners to the Free Thought Project know that we put all of our eggs in one basket for far too long until we ended up losing all of them. Uh, by Twitter and Facebook when we were purged uh, October 2018. But um, when did the Free Thought Project cross your radar, Don? Actually, it was around that same time in, in 2015, because I remember uh, prior to discovering the Free Thought Project, I was already a follower of Activist Post, another fantastic uh, publication and website. And uh, I saw a story that they had republished from you guys and I was like, oh, wow, that's, that seems like a cool thing. I'll check that out. And so I went to your page, and I found Free Thought Project, and I found Police to Police. And I started going through a lot of the stuff that you guys uh, posted. And, uh, you know, I was doing my due diligence because, of course, you know, back then and, and still to this day, you know, I question everything. And everything that you guys posted and talked about, I dug into just to double check, and it all checked out. And I, le- I started to learn a lot of stuff really quickly. And it was really the Free Thought Project that played such a massive role in inspiring me to want to be a writer and a journalist because the things that I learned uh, through you guys' website is uh, is invaluable, you know, the, the wealth of knowledge that, that was presented to me. And so I discovered the Free Thought Project, and it was around that same time was when I discovered other Pages like the Anti Media. I know Nick Burnaby, uh, you know, did did his thing with that, and I think then he moved on to Mind Unleashed, which is another one that I found shortly after, when, whenever around the time he started that. Um, so it was around that time, and I've just been a really dedicated follower of, of the Free Thought Project ever since then, since since 2015, at least 2016. And you know, I think prior to that, I think a lot of people in the Truth Movement, maybe you guys included, can can credit at least a little bit to like the mid 2010s, like Alex Jones being one of the guys that kind of wake you up to a lot of stuff or woke you up to a lot of stuff. And I know me certainly, you know, it was a big nine 11 and all the stuff he talked about that, that that played a role in me waking up, but it was around the 2016 era when Jones kind of started to go completely off the rails and just, you know, total partisan statism that I was like, you know, this, this, this isn't true North, you know, as I, I've said for a long time, not to say anything, you know, but I've, I've said for a long time that 2005 Alex Jones would slap the crap out of current Alex Jones. <laughs> you got that right, man. <laughs> totally opposites. So, um, yeah, 
so once I started to drift away from InfoWars, I really started drifting more towards Free Thought Project and Mind Unleashed, Antimedia, uh, Conscious Resistance Network, and so it was, you know, it was from that point, you know, all those pages played such a big role in inspiring me uh, to to get into this for all the information that I learned. So, it was, yeah, it was around 2015 and going forward with that. It's crazy, like, right when you get on with us, we're, we see this unprecedented push by big tech and social media giants to actually get rid of this information out there, which is why you're so valuable right now. I mean, you know, like, our ad revenue is plummeted, our traffic is plummeted, you know, and that's why you're such a valuable resource right now, because you're you're helping us out for, for, for very little, and, um, I mean, without them right now, would be we'd really be struggling as we already are financially, um, you know, and, and traffic wise, it's just, it's a, it's a constant uphill battle to try to, to try to reach people. And through this, this digital barbed wire they've erected around everything. And it just seems to keep growing and growing. We thought that everything came to a head in 2018 when they wiped away, you know, over 6 million of our followers. But right now it is, uh, I mean, it's, it's getting worse and worse. I mean, they ban the, you know, the president of the United States from social media, not that I support him or anything, but I definitely don't support censorship of the president. You know I mean? That's just crazy. And it just seems like there's just more and more steps that keep getting taken on a daily basis. For instance, the ninth circuit court of appeals, you know, they ruled that, um, Americans don't have a constitutional right to carry their guns outside of their own house. Like that's a this is a big deal. This these there's like multifacets attacking from all different directions, and those who you know stand for liberty and and truth are like right in the crosshairs because these people don't stand for either one of these things. I mean, Kamala Harris is having an interview with Bill Clinton tomorrow about you know empowering women and girls, and Bill Clinton's one of the biggest sexual offenders in the world, dude. It's just like yeah. it's, they're distorting reality, at, you know, in real time, and people are just licking it up, and it's 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 insane, and and it's it's just not it's not just tyrannical. It's like it's it's utter insanity. I think that you know these people people are going bonkers. Clinton world, and don't forget, uh, Mr. Clinton also got that BJ in the Oval Office. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> don't want to leave out that part as well. But uh, yeah, you're absolutely right, Matt. It's getting crazy and it's escalating and it is, it's, it's a multifaceted, you know, uh, we're getting hit with the COVID restrictions, of course, and it's the gun control, it's the censorship. What symbol could actually encapsulate censorship better than a mask, right? So there's a, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of subconscious uh, programming, social engineering that's going on, and a lot of people just can't see through it. And not to say that, you know, we're these uh, free thinking experts that are extra mega woke or something. And we have a crystal ball and can see all of this. But if you've been in this industry, if you've been paying attention to the news long enough, eventually you start to see some of the, the collusion with narratives. You start to see some of the red flags, as we actually just pointed out a couple days ago, when Don actually was the one who found it, uh, maybe Googling a specific sentence. Next thing you know, they're rolling out this entire narrative across the country, basically saying that the mass shootings are on a rise it's it's definitely being rolled out. It's no secret at this point. It almost feels like they're rubbing it in our face to a certain extent. Yes, yeah, like I said, um, with the uh, with the media patterns and everything, it, you start to notice patterns if you pay attention to it long enough because it these things follow a specific kind of script and a specific kind of tactic. You know, if you go back to 
the book Propaganda, writ by, uh, written by Edward Bernays in 1922, who is, for those that don't know, Bernays was the nephew of one of the world's most renowned or in some circles infamous uh, psychologist, um, Dr. Sigmund Freud. And um, back back in 22, the word propaganda doesn't have as much stigma attached to it as it does now. Um, but it really laid out the, the ground foundation for how to use psychological warfare and behavioral modification and manipulation tactics uh, against people. And they've been used from everything from uh, Joseph Goebbels, who was the chief propaganda minister of the Nazis uh, during World War II, who based most of his media strategies off of Edward Bernays' work um, to corporations here in the United States that have used it for to create ads in newspapers and magazines and on into the television era um, to plant subliminal messages in people to be like, hey, you should go buy this thing, you know, consume, consume, consume to feed this fiat currency mono-capitalist kind of crony corporatist whatever they've created since 1913 and the Federal Reserve was made. But uh, um, there are patterns that follow these kind of strategies that, you know, like you said, Jason, if you pay attention to it long enough, you pick, you start to pick up on it. And it's like, hey, this thing is it's, it's fitting uh, a certain agenda and it's fitting a certain narrative. Um, when it came to the, um, the article that Matt wrote the other day about the Google thing, what actually happened was I was – just kind of casually scrolling through uh, Facebook, and I was kind of checking different sources and people that I follow and news outlets and everything, just kind of looking for information. And I saw someone had posted a, a screenshot of, of, of a Google search, and uh, it might have been Luke Radowski. I, I don't know because I've seen a few people post that. And uh, so I went to I went ahead to double check it because you know a lot of those things a lot of the times those things aren't legitimate or, or even if they were Google has since corrected it to make it look like it wasn't legitimate. So I went and double checked it, and it was it was even more than that one screenshot that I saw, which is so I I took two of them, and I sent it to you guys, and I was like, hey, check this out, and you know that's what the whole uh, article was based off of. But it's it's gotten to the point, you know, like Matt said. They don't even care at this point how blatant the propaganda is because they've been able to psychologically condition people to be so apathetic or maybe not even apathetic. But, you know, the whole bread and circus keep them distracted to the point where they don't even notice it because you could imagine the average person, you know, doesn't isn't as neck deep in news analysis as we all are literally 24 seven. So they, they probably wouldn't even pick up on that if they're just casually scrolling through and just see that one headline from that one source that they tend to follow. It wouldn't register that the exact same script has been rolled out to every media company across the country or thereabouts, which is part and parcel following in line with, uh, with Operation Paperclip. Or not, not Operation Paperclip, um, Operation Mockingbird. Paperclip was the, uh, the program that Truman used to institute – Nazis into the U.S. government, which also plays a big role in Operation Mockingbird when you think about it, because the CIA basically copy and pasted Joseph Goebbels' propaganda operations from Germany into the U.S. after uh, Truman authorized the Nazi infiltration of the U.S. government in 1945. This is extremely dangerous to our democracy. <laughs> so, yeah, man, this uh, this sentence that uh you know that that don found online was that mass shooting surge in x state you know a 
as nation faces record high. That's the exact verbatim title of all these different articles that were printed in publications literally from coast to coast. And like from Florida, Tennessee, South Carolina, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Colorado, Louisiana, Arkansas, like all these states, they had the exact same title except, you know, mass shooting surge in this state as nation faces record high. And um, that alone is crazy, right? Just the headlines that it all match up like that. But then when we, you know, look into the articles, they were the articles are the exact same uh, language as well. And um, which, you know, they like mass shootings in this state increased this much from 2020, you know, from the year before, et cetera, et cetera. And then all of them went down towards the end. You know, they all finished uh, after exactly the same text except for changing out some different numbers and state names because it was for the article was written for that state at the end um you know the the article closes with how to get guns off the street and then you know that joe biden has all these gun proposals uh anti-gun proposals and well they don't call them anti-gun they call them gun control measures you know ready to ready to roll out it it's crazy not not just because um you know because they're all the same but because they're all different like if you go click on all these articles they're all from different news outlets they're not from the same news out like that you know some of them are like the tennessee times and one of them's from like the tallahassee democrat then the greenville news the elmwood city ledger it gives the illusion that all of these are just independent media outlets in different states you know and they're just so they're just printing this article for their state, you know, showing their mass shootings are on the rise or whatever. And it's that's not the case at all. It's all it's all being centrally centrally disseminated from the USA Today network. And the authors of these uh, articles are all the same. It was uh, <clears throat> it was two guys, uh, Marco Della Cava and Mike Stucca, uh, who work for the USA Today network. And there's nothing wrong with a massive website, you know, news site pushing out an article. But the way this is done is deceptive in the fact that it it appears to be independent media outlets running this narrative, running their own narrative, when in fact it's a centralized uh, talking point being pushed out across the country, uh, you know, to in in the ostensible nature that it's independent, and that's that's scary, that's deceptive. It it goes against all of Facebook's uh, terms. Actually, that is the definition of coordinated inauthentic behavior when they're pretending to put out an article that or information that you know has the perception of independent when it's actually just a centrally planned talking point you know that's that's exactly what facebook claims to be fighting against yet this this is like this is a tactic that they're employing i mean and and it's and it's pushing gun control and it's stoking fear even in states where there wasn't a rise in shootings which that there was small rises it's not like a massive you know exponential increase in these states with with that had higher mass shootings um but even in states where mass shootings fell they still touted nation at all time high, you know. So like, they 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 for example, Georgia mass shootings fell in Georgia, and they're like mass shootings fall in Georgia, but nation faces record high. And when you click on that same article, because that they had to tailor it for that state, it's the exact same narrative that ends with the exact same gun control narrative, but it just says that there's that state has seen a decrease in shootings, and uh, that it. it People, like you said, Don, like people don't aren't paying attention to this broader scheme of things. They're getting most of their news from sites like this, so they have no idea that everybody else in the country is getting that exact same narrative. And that's that's not press. That's not that's not the freedom of press. That's the the, the controlling of press. 
and uh and and that's why we decided to have you know we had to cover that on there it it was even more glaring than the the call that they did in 2018 where where you said jason this is extremely dangerous to our democracy where all these different news outlets were just repeating the same exact narrative about uh fake news and how it's dangerous i mean this is this is calling for gun control literally the day before a mass shooting happened it's extremely you know extremely questionable and you know this guy was dealing with the fbi before he went into that shopping center or uh, the 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 supermarket you know and shot up 10 people this is just i mean i'm i'm this is all conjecture and i'm not saying i have any facts to prove this it just looks really fishy and they the mainstream media looks like they have egg on their face when they get caught doing stuff like this because that is not a free press that's a that's a centrally planned establishment press pushing a narrative that actually is anti-freedom Regardless of whatever narrative they're pushing, the fact of the matter is Colorado has some of the most restrictive gun laws in the country. They have red flag laws. They have uh, high cab mag restrictions. They have uh, background checks. And and literally pretty much every major gun control restriction measurement that these gun grabbers pine for are already in place in Colorado. Literally none of them stop this tragedy. So in a way, the shooting exemplifies how these measures don't work. And so how they're they're flipping it around with this Orwellian type of doublespeak to try to say that it requires more of it is just absolutely asinine. Yeah, and let's not forget there was also another shooting in Atlanta. Um, unfortunately, I believe there was eight people killed. The shooter claimed it had nothing to do with racism, yet we still, we still see the media pushing uh, the anti-Asian hate narrative. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's right. I think you're spot on, Matt. That is certainly fishy. And uh, just the timing of all this, especially after Biden was calling for gun control. I'm really glad that you did touch on that subject, Matt, about the inauthentic coordinated behavior. Those of you who weren't uh, with us in 2018 or don't know the story, that was one of the reasons that Facebook gave us for taking down our pages. Nearly 6 million fans, as, as Matt mentioned, nearly five years of work. And, uh, you know, that to me, it, it really shows that it's selectively enforced. And we've talked about that before on this podcast, but almost all of Facebook's, quote, community standards are selectively enforced. So, you know, yeah. this, this is, it's, it's crazy how the, the rules that apply to us don't apply to other outlets. And as Matt mentioned too, guys, this is really important to, to recognize this isn't mainstream media. A lot of times people think that there's more integrity and substance when it comes to the local independent outlets. And as we are, you know, showing and exposing in this case, that's just not the truth. I know we've talked about it before, too, when it comes to any type of police-related information, because a lot of times the local outlets are friendly with their local police departments. They want to get the leads. They want to get the tips. They want to get the quotes from their police department. So therefore, they have an incentive to not show them in a bad light and try to uh, use some kind of ambiguous wording for the titles to not necessarily place too much pressure or blame on their local uh, law enforcement. So this is something that needs to be talked about. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we're bringing it up because once again, you know, it's just double standards um, across the board. It, and for people like us, the alternative outlets, you know, um, we've been hammered with censorship. You know, we've, we're, we're barely even able to hang on and survive anymore. And the fact that, you know, they're so blatant about this, putting it in our face, 
And the fact that this isn't mega viral, I mean, this should be, you know, I think our article has 2000 shares um, on our little Facebook button. This should be way more than that. And, you know, it just goes to show that we're being suppressed or we're being throttled while these types of uh, media, independent and mainstream media are, are thriving. Um, I mean, the, the the throttling has got to the point where it's absolutely insane. I mean, since I took on the, the editor's role of, of social media management, helping you guys out with that uh, part with, with the Free Thought Project, I mean, I've seen uh, firsthand, you know, how, how you guys have been hit. I mean, I don't know exactly what the uh, the numbers are now. I think Free Thought Project's reaching close to a million again. It's like 900-some-odd thousand fans. Um, but But the level of engagement is just indicative that, the page has been absolutely throttled and shadow banned. And you know, I've experienced the same thing on break the matrix. You know, I've got to the point where now I have like, uh, over just over a thousand followers and I can look at the analytics and I even have a, a post pinned at the top of the page telling people, Hey, go follow me on these alternatives on me. We get minds and whatnot, because I'm throttled here and on less than 1% of the people that follow break the matrix, see any of my content. So it's a daily struggle looking at the analytics. Like, more people should be seeing this. This is a huge story. I mean, just the other day I was going on, because uh, I know I texted you guys about it, I was going on this rant about that story from the Gray Zone, uh, ranting about the Pentagon, proving that uh, when journal, uh, Colonel was it Douglas McGregor came out and basically admitted that the order was signed November 11th to end the Afghanistan war, 100% withdrawal by December 31st, and then November 12th, the Joint Chiefs and Secretary Miller and uh, I think it was the head of national security or national intelligence or something came in and basically, you know, put the military industrial complex screws to Trump and said, rescind this. And, and he, you know, signed off on it, rescinded it. And, you know, of course, as we know, Biden is sending more troops into Afghanistan, as is Syria and as is in Iraq. So. It's 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 crazy the amount of censorship because what I was ranting about was the fact that it should be this should be on every major news wire across the country. I mean headlines, viral headlines everywhere. It should be the war, this costly, disastrous, destructive war that we've been in since 2001 should be over. It should have ended December 31st, and it's not. We're sending more innocent American sons and daughters to kill and be killed for imperialist aims. And it's for me, for someone who's like me, very much anti-war and into the anti-war movement, it's absolutely infuriating that they'll suppress this major story. It's what should be one of the stories of the decades, but they'll run with this disingenuous anti-gun propaganda to steal more of our liberties away. Well, we need to focus on Asian hate. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, clearly, even though the guy said himself that it wasn't uh, race related. And then and speaking of that, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, the media running with this story. I've seen so many people talk about it, um, how, oh, he just had a bad day. And, you know, talking about how oh they were trying to excuse and say, oh, he just had a bad day. And, you know, talking about this whole thing like that. When I sent you I sent you guys this thing from reason and reason did a great article about it exposing how that narrative is absolute bs um the sheriff did not or, or whomever sheriff police officer captain whatever did not try to excuse it and say he just had a bad day he was explaining that that's what the shooter had said he was not attempting to excuse it but the media has painted it in this light that the police were trying to give him a pass because he's a white guy and it, it's just completely disingenuous crap yeah, they actually – it was a funny to watch the, the – not funny. I mean it's never funny after a, a tragedy like that. But 
the the narrative on Twitter before we found out the identity of the person who did who carried out the the shooting in Boulder. Uh, Twitter was like, oh, look at this, another you know another deranged Trump terrorist, pro-Trump terrorist goes and shoots up, and then when they uh you know when the the identity was uh, was revealed that he was this this uh, Syrian American, um you know that their whole and who was anti-Trump that they just had to be they were stopped in their tracks and all silenced you know it's like oh shit we we this didn't fit our narrative now what you know and then they go like wait guns guns are bad you shouldn't have a second amendment so they quickly you know flipped a script from the anti-domestic terrorist or whatever narrative to the to the anti-gun narrative just like that Yep, and I, I said they would. You, you guys remember when I, I uh, when we were talking about this in the group chat? Um, I said, now that the identity's out, watch the narrative flip. They're going to completely drop this, or at the very least, bury it, and and they're going to totally turn the page over to how else can we steal people's liberties? Because obviously, we can't run with this narrative. Let's turn on the other one. Yeah, and it it is coordinated with the homegrown domestic terrorism narrative being mixed in with the gun narrative, you know, and it's just interesting to see how this is all just happening within the last month or so between the things that Biden has said and some of the gun laws he's already called for. It's certainly suspicious. And if I could just make one thing clear here, you know, obviously there's people out there who really are into the second amendment, very much into preserving our rights. They tend to be vocal, especially online a lot of times they're MAGA supporters, sometimes they're Proud Boys, sometimes they're Boogaloo, uh, a lot of times just libertarians. But make no mistake, these people, I would say nine times out of ten, are people who love freedom. They're nonviolent. But the real domestic terrorists in this country always have been the police. I think if you just want to talk about that, if you want to look at that for a second, if you want to talk about, oh, the Waco siege or even to current day, the drug war, no-knock raids. I mean, these are the real terrorists, right? And the fact that we're going to try to focus on a handful of loosely knit flunkies, basically, who care about rights and guns, I mean, that that really isn't the threat. And of course, that's only escalated as well since the, the January 6th Capitol, quote, riot. You know, now they have their narrative. It's almost like Trump left them a little going-away gift. Yeah, I mean... You know, when you compare um, the amounts of people that have been killed by these, you know, so-called crazy, homegrown, militia, whatever types of people, compare that to the amount of people that have been killed by the government. And, and the point needs to be made very clear that uh, regardless of whether you're one of those thin blue line supporters or you're, you, you have distrust of the police, it has to be acknowledged if you're an objective thinker, if you care about objective facts, the police are – the enforcers of the state. They are the enforcers of the government. And they're going to carry that just doing my job line because they've been, as, as Larkin Rose sometimes uh, states and exemplifies, they've been conditioned with this idea of statism and obeying authority that they truly believe that they are within their right to ignore their conscience and ignore morality to enforce these edicts of the state, whether or not they are just or moral or good. And um. What I try to explain to people is that it's not enough just to be against the cops that are beating people and, and, and framing people for drugs, like, you know, of the, the obvious bad apples, the ones that are clearly opaque or, or 
transparent in in how bad they are um you know they people throw out this narrative and say well it's just a few bad apples no it isn't um and and i i say this because you have to look at the fact that first and foremost the the law of the land of this country is supposed to be the constitution of the united states of america there's a supremacy clause that that's that specifies that and there was a supreme court case in i believe 1803 um I can't think of it off the top of my head. I usually can, but now that I'm on the spot, it's just blank. But there was a Supreme Court case that ruled all laws which are repugnant to the Constitution are null and void. But when it comes to modern-day policing, any officer that claims to be a good cop, if he's ignoring the fact that someone in his department, many in his department, are are committing uh, these acts, then he's not a good cop. Um, allow me to specify a little uh, further. It's not enough just to be anti-bad cop. You have to be pro-good cop. You have to be pro-transparency and pro-accountability. If a law enforcement officer is not advocating for getting these guys out of there, they're not advocating for more transparency and more accountability, You know, uh, repealing uh, qualified immunity and things like that, they're not a good cop. They're not good at their job. They might be a good person. They might do good things and help the old lady across the street and, and rescue the cat from the tree or you know, stop that guy that was really about to commit a really bad crime. That's you being a good person. But if you're not actively opposing breaking the Constitution, if you're not actively opposing these officers that, that make all cops look bad – then you're not a, you're not doing a good job as a law enforcement officer if you're just towing that establishment line that that reinforces this mob mentality that police are going to do what they're told regardless of whether or not it's right or it's wrong yeah absolutely you touched on an important distinction you know there is a difference between the individual and the institution and I think a lot of our friends on the right have yet to really understand that distinction. Of, of course, there's there's people who went into law enforcement with the right intentions, with noble intentions. They wanted to try to help the community or better the community. But as Don's mentioned, unfortunately, a lot of the laws that they enforce, and of course that word enforce means initiate violence, a lot of the laws that they enforce conflict with the Constitution. They conflict with the Second Amendment, with the Fourth Amendment. No-knock raids, that's one specifically that conflicts with the Fourth Amendment. Of course, we have seen sheriffs across the country be vocal about the fact that they're not going to enforce the red flag laws, which is great. We need more of that. We need to see more cops um, actively disobeying unconstitutional laws. But those are also the same cops who have decided to uphold and enforce laws that violate the Fourth Amendment, such as uh, drug laws, no-knock raids, and whatnot. So, yes, uh, and if we even want to take it a step further, Don, you know, I think what you've laid out and what you've explained is, is the libertarian position. You know, if we wanted to take it one step further from more of like an ANCAP perspective, you could even say that the Constitution is just a piece of paper that has prevented yeah. what we've seen, the tyranny that's you know, we're at now. And uh, ultimately, law enforcement is just a monopoly on violence. Of course, that's, that's a problem in itself, because any type of institution that claims a monopoly is never going to be beneficial to society, right? When they're paid through taxation, which is involuntarily extracted, they're never going to have any type of incentive to be efficient, effective, accountable, or to ever improve. That's one of the things that I speak on 
frequently with police the police. And I think it's really important that people understand that just because it's a government monopoly doesn't mean it still doesn't have the characteristics of a monopoly. It still doesn't mean that it's going to have a lot of the detriment, uh, undesirable effects that a monopoly has. And that's what we're seeing today. Just distinguish what I was saying when I was talking earlier about the Proud Boys and the MAGA folk and everything. I don't necessarily support those people. I just support their rights to firearms, their rights to free speech. Um, And yeah, I think even those people, unfortunately, have a bit of a disconnect when it comes to the actual police employees who are going to be the ones confiscating their guns when they're enforcing these these gun laws, these gun control laws, these red flag laws. And so, I mean, even, you know, the people who are being called domestic terrorists, they're praising the people who are going to actually violate their rights and uh, take away their guns. It's really confusing. There's been so much propaganda and indoctrination, you know, pretty much our entire lives that a lot of people can't see the forest through the trees. So it's, uh, it's certainly messy. Yeah, it, it definitely is, man. I mean, it's a, uh, you know, when it comes to those people, though, you know, we're talking about the ones that fly the, uh, the, the Gadsden don't tread on me flag right next to the thin blue line flag. And it's completely oxymoronic. It's, it's antithetical. One is not compatible with the other, but that's kind of the conditioning that people have been, been brought up to and are brought up to believe. And, you know, the one thing that I do want to point out, um, because I said I would yesterday, is that, uh, you know, talking about rights to free speech and, and gun laws and police in particularly, I, I do want to take a little bit of time to draw attention to Josh Martinez, the fact that he's being held currently as a political prisoner in Las Vegas um, for, um, you know, expressing his First Amendment rights and, and, and as well as holding police accountable and speaking out against police corruption. Then, uh, you know, and I, I just think it's... Um, the more attention that's drawn to this case um, is the better because we, uh, you know, we, we got to stand up for Josh and, you know, I know free thought projects doing a great thing with it. And uh, I just want to bring as much attention to it as humanly possible because he's a really good guy and he just doesn't deserve the kind of crap he's getting from the government right now. I'm so glad you brought that up. He shared a, a legal meme, a, a legal, not illegal a, a meme that was just anti-police on his Facebook page, and he was subsequently raided by police and thrown in jail with a five five hundred thousand dollar bond. The, the 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 post didn't even go against Facebook's terms of service. It is actually still on his Facebook page. That just shows you like what the, the level that these people are willing to go to attack this guy, whose only crime has been fighting for freedom and trying to hold corrupt cops accountable. Yeah, the story, um, you know, we've we've covered uh, uh, Josh Martinez, I think, three different times now over the years. And um, last year, I, I spent a good month talking to Josh, getting the entire story. Um, he sent me all the videos, all the picture, uh, even uh, testimonial from his family members. And um, I spent some time making uh, an in-depth video about his situation. Now, it's complex, right? There's there's a lot of moving pieces, but I could tell you 100% that Josh has never initiated violence. Josh hasn't done anything to threaten another individual. And if anything, they have Josh right now being held in a cage. And I actually want to correct Matt, it's a $1 million bond, which is even crazier. But they claim that uh, the meme that he posted 
which basically um, was a picture of officers holding a casket that said how police officers take out their trash. They said that that was enough to put him in a cage because he was uh, threatening and stalking uh, Detective Kenneth Mead, who's been the detective who's been targeting Josh for the past few years now. The ironic part about that is that Josh posted this meme on his own Facebook account and it never mentioned any names, uh, never you know, didn't post this on Detective Mead's Facebook account. He posted it on his own Facebook account. And ironically, they'd have to be checking Josh's account to even know that this meme was posted. So they're the ones that are stalking him. It, it's complicated. And I'm so glad that you brought that up, Don, because this case really needs a lot more exposure. And uh, I know we've done what we can to try to get it out there. And some stories just don't get the legs that they need, you know, and this is one of them. So, um, you know, if you if you are listening to this, just take a second to research Josh Martinez or go into the Free Thought Project search bar and type in his name and you could read about his his case. And uh, as of right now, there has, hasn't been any mention of uh, reducing the bail amount. And um, we're not quite sure what's what's next for Josh. I know they did just put him in general pop again, which is uh, a good thing. But um, you could uh, either donate or send a care package or a letter to to Josh. And we're going to put that information, the donation uh, information into our article. Otherwise, the um, address for Josh is already in the Free Thought Project article. So by all means, please support him. Yeah, man, he's a political prisoner. Someone like the Institute for Justice should definitely get on his case. And uh, yeah, I think that might be a good place to, to wrap this up, man. Uh, or actually, we have uh, one more thing to say. Like if, if you're in legal troubles or anything like that, we've actually partnered with a legal team that uh, it's a service that you can just pay $25 a month and you have access 24 hours a day to an attorney in your pocket. Literally, you can talk, you can call an attorney and talk to him about anything you want. You can get wills written for free that you can get, uh, you can get add-ons, which is like a hundred hours of trial defense. I mean, this is for, this is for pennies compared to what an actual attorney costs. It's called uh, legalshield.com. And we are now uh, partnered with them. They're a sponsor of the Free Thought Project. And we'll have the link for that in the podcast description below. And please go ahead and support Don and his efforts with Break the Matrix on Facebook, Instagram, MeWe, Twitter. Yeah, mainly I'm on. Uh, I'm, I'm posting every day on, on my Break the Matrix Facebook page, which you can find if you go to the Free Thought Project page. And find any of the articles I've written. They've been uh, my pages on on Facebook and MeWe and Minds uh, and, and Twitter have all been linked in the articles at the bottom in the about the author description. So that's an easy way you could find them. Um, I'm mostly posting on Facebook and trying to mirror those posts on MeWe and Minds as much as possible, just as kind of a backup. So that way, if I inevitably get uh, get the band hammer dropped on me on the book. I'm still on these uh, other platforms that actually do support free speech, so I very much appreciate. Um, follow me on Facebook as well as on uh, those other platforms. Awesome. Glad we had a chance to introduce you, Don. You've been a, a great asset and help thus far with the Free Thought Project. And uh, we'll catch you next time, guys. Thank you so much for listening.